Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels. Delighted, as always, to have you on the sports podcast, where we have quite a bit to talk about as the calendar almost flips to June. Matt Wittenberg is going to be joining me later in the show to discuss the NHL playoffs, 2-3-0 series, the Florida Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights, seemingly on a collision course for the cup final. We break it all down. Officer Bob Brofsky, Matthew Kachuk and Cheesley and the Big Cats, Jack Eichel, Marcheseau, Aiden Hill, Vegas going strong there. We also discuss the NBA finals. That's looking like it's going to be, well, Nuggets are in, but are the Heat there? The Celtics did win a game. We discuss NFL, baseball, a lot of talk with Matt Wittenberg. And then Jose Youngs from MMA Fighting. We talk some UFC. We talk boxing. Lomachenko Haney, a little bit of a shocking ending there to say the least. Bud Crawford and Spence fighting allegedly as well there. So a lot of combat sports talks with Jose Youngs. He's up first, followed by Matt Wittenberg. This is the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the line, he is a uh, MMA fighting journalist. You can catch all of his stuff on that website. He's also mostly a Boston sports fan, so it's mm-hmm. been an interesting time for him, to say the least. Jose Young's back again. Jose, what's up, my man? What's up, man? Long time no talk. I think the last time we talked was before WrestleMania, right? Yeah, like, yeah, Like the was. week before? It was. Mania ended up being being solid. I mean, I, I think it was... Time. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's how you were covering it from the press box. We can kind of start there. How was it to be covering as a credential journalist WrestleMania? It was cool in the sense that like you're there and you get like a bird's eye view and like, but obviously you're working. So it's, it sucks that like to me being like a reporter, like I'm not allowed to cheer. Not everyone in the press box understands the rules of being a reporter. And, you know, they're like, they're, yeah. Jumping up and down, clapping. They're they're acting like fans, which I keep having to remind myself like this is professional wrestling. That's the like, thing, what even right? Is this? But like, like yeah. at some point, like stop banging on the tables and like clapping. Like we're trying to do our job. I'm here, glad. Right? I'm glad you else. brought that up because it's like the one. And I don't want to be old like curmudgeon and like no cheering in the press box type, which I agree with that rule in general. And I do think though that like there's more rope given to professional wrestling, but. Yeah, you were there and just some of the stuff that I saw, like if you're going to full on bang the glass, you know, and start the dueling chance. Like the it was a little annoying, but other than that, it was cool. Um, The press box is obvious. I have, I don't know if you've been to SoFi's press box area. It's like completely soundproof. Mm. So it was interesting watch, but we had TVs on. So we got, Mm. it was cool that we got to watch it live, but we got the broadcast. Yeah. But I feel like we missed out on a lot of the the big pops because we couldn't hear it. But at the end yeah. of the day, it was work. So yeah, that's true. It was true. a good time of work. It was a good it was a good change up from covering S- MMA. Some good matches in there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really liked uh, Rey Mysterio's entrance with the Snoop oh, Dogg yeah. driving and the Eddie Eddie Guerrero theme. Did, were you asking questions down there at the press conferences? No, so uh, I, I was no. I, <laughs> I was just wondering. Nah. You weren't nah. called an idiot by I, Roman I Reigns tried, or anything. I tried because if you remember. <laughs> Yeah. The day, the day, the Sunday. So that yeah. Sunday morning, they announced that Endeavor was buying the WWE, mm-hmm. um, which Endeavor is the majority owner and yeah. they're the parent company of the UFC. So UFC and WWE were going to be under one roof. Yeah. So that point, it actually became a story that I needed to talk about. But you have to like request those specific credentials, and I obviously yeah. missed the boat because. What am I going to ask Rey Mysterio <laughs> yeah. at a press conference or MMA yeah. fighting? Yeah. But if I had known that sale was coming, then I obviously would have been there. 
Word. Well, no, it was, you know, look, wrestling, it's a fun time, obviously, with the different companies and the Endeavor thing you mentioned. Uh, I want to kind of switch to UFC right now and uh, talk about that. I guess it's more MMA at first because I want right. to know what your reaction is to Francis Ngannou signing that deal with the PFL. It was the worst. It was the worst kept secret in MMA. Mm. I think we all kind of knew. Mm. Everyone in the know kind of knew that was coming. I, it was either his mom or his grandma or someone in his family. They like he posted a bunch of photos of him like visiting Cameroon or Paris. So they were having like a family barbecue, and she was in the background wearing a PFL shirt. And that was like a, a month or so yeah. ago, before two months before the announcement. So like I said, it, it felt like the worst kept secret. It just felt like we were waiting for the the news to break, and we were mostly waiting to hear what the the contract and the and the deal was so uh historic moment uh, i'm hoping it leads to more like it, it kind of legitimized free agency a bit dana white can spin it however he wants he wasn't released like dana white is like oh when we release francis well there's a difference between fighting out your contract and being released yes uh francis was not released he wasn't cut he his contract was over and he became a free agent and just you know made the most money Yes. Uh, so good on him. I think it really legitimizes MMA. It's like the first big free. It's like the biggest free agent since I want probably Michael Chandler. Uh, Kayla Harrison obviously was a free agent, but she was she was a restricted free agent where uh, PFL got to match whatever contracts she got. Um, so she had to. She ended up having to sign resign with PFL. It's similar to the DeAndre and Sons Pacers fiasco of last summer, where he technically signed with of the Pacers, course. but then had to come back to the Suns. Um, but Francis is really the first big one to leave the UFC. Like other people have left, like Gegard Mousasi, Ryan Bader, Benson Henderson, right. these guys. But Francis was the I, heavyweight champion. I no, just no yeah. champion had left. And I and I'm all for look. I love free agency for the for these athletes to get the best deal and everything. And I understand that. And I understand that there's a business side to this for sure. But my question and my concern is: Is he going to get top level fights here? You know, and I hope he gets as most as much money as he possibly can. But what's the competition going to look like for him? We don't know. That's the big thing because it seems like part of the deal is he gets to box too. Mm-hmm. Like so, this year he's he's going to focus on boxing, and next year he'll get his MMA his PFL debut. He obviously wants to fight the Furies, the Wilders, the Joshuas, the Dillian Whites, or whatever the world. Obviously, I think he should if he's going to fight one of them. He should. I think he has the best chance of beating Deontay Wilder just because Deontay Wilder is not a very good boxer. Yeah, uh, and that seems to be the, that seems to be the a type of fight where someone just first one yeah. to land goes down. But obviously, you're he's not. It, it, if they fight ten times, he's losing to Deontay Wilder eight to nine times. Um, but he's going to make a lot of money. Then after that, I really don't know. There's not a big heavyweight. There's not a big heavyweight free agency group right now. Like the PFL has some okay guys. Like Fabricio Verdum is technically on mm-hmm. in the PFL. Uh, that one would be very interesting. Of all the fights he could have, that of fighters already in the PFL, I think that would be that would be interesting in the sense that Verdum is a former fellow UFC champ, former champ. Uh, he is one of yeah one of the best heavyweight grapplers in UFC history. Uh, up there with it's really a three way race between him, Nogueira, Frank Mir, and Jailton Almeida, who's in the UFC right now. When it's all said and done, he could be number one. So if you're going to beat Francis, you're going to have to wrestle him and submit him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Verdum looks like he's not really... Fabricio, if you've seen a photo of Fabricio Verdum right now, it sure looks like he's not fighting in a promotion that has USADA testing anymore uh, because he's not. Uh, (laughs) Take that for what you will. (laughs) 
Um, but I there's a lot of that be, going around. That yeah, that would be the most interesting. Arjun Buller in one yeah. championship maybe would be interesting. Well, Other than and, that, and, there's and not like, a lot. I, that's the thing. Like I hope that we get to a world where there is an alternative that's you know going to pay, going to you know you know be a market for free agency, but it's also going to provide fights. So it's no wishful thinking. But hey, look, the UFC heavyweight division isn't exactly thriving like it has in the past either. So maybe that's just kind of the landscape right now. But. Uh, We'll see. We also hadn't talked since Pavlovich knocked out Blades, and uh, do you think that's the guy? Like, I don't know what Jones is going to do after Stipe, whatever happens there, but Pavlovich looks like he's the next guy at the very least. Yeah, I think it's really going to come down to, I wouldn't be surprised if if Stipe wins, if Stipe beats John, because from everything I'm hearing, they want to, obviously they want to do that in November in Madison Mm -hmm. Square Garden. If Stipe beats John, I would imagine they do the rematch, man fight weeks of july 2024 i would that's what i'm assuming i I don't know if that's the mm-hmm. case uh if john wins i wouldn't be surprised if he retires and steve retires but at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if both men retire regardless of the outcome yeah I'm, uh, i really don't I'm if john beats steve he's he has nothing left to prove at that yeah. point he's the most talented fighter i've ever seen in my life but i i think I just think George is still number one at this point. I think beating Cyril Gon like he did wasn't enough at heavyweight. Uh, if if he had done that to Francis or Stipe, no, I, yeah, be, I, no, no de- it was I, also for the vacant title. That's um, true. So you're not. If he beats Stipe, who everyone considers is between him, Kane, and Fedor as the greatest heavyweights ever. Yeah. Uh, I think that cements him as number one. So I wouldn't be surprised if he retires, unless the UFC throws a boatload of money at him to fight Pavlovich. But if in this world both men retire, I really think it'll come down to maybe Pavlovich and Jailton Almeida for mm, the heavyweight champion mm. of the world. Could be fun there. I mean, Jones, you know, it's like he, he wins the title, and as Dana says, he just goes dark, and then you don't hear from him. So exactly. he just pops right back up. I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on the Bantamweight division because, you know, mm. the last pay-per-view on the six was 288 and Sterling. You know, a, a very good fight, really showing a lot, beating the returning Henry Cejudo to defend his title. And just a side note on Sterling, Jose, I had an, oh, my God, I forgot it was him moment. I remember hearing the story when it happened with Floyd Mayweather at the pool. I yeah. totally forgot that that was him. I was like, wow, yeah. that's the guy who, you know, you could have been at a Vegas pool party and seen Mayweather's feet just go flying into the air. But, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Aljamain loves telling that story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've never heard I've never heard Floyd's side, but no, no. One guy that Floyd actually looks physically could probably look down on. Uh, yeah, hey, Aljamain's not the biggest guy. So he's looking to fight. I mean, it's going to happen with the O'Malley stuff coming up, and you know yep. that that's Start. on Boston, deck. Yeah, August. and now you're going to be coming, you know, heading back for that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, what's your thoughts on? I guess not just that fight, but where this division is, because we know what O'Malley's appeal is. I also know now what a well-rounded fighter Sterling is. But kind of, you know, where this division's gone when we thought, you know, Jan had the stranglehold on it after Cejudo retired, and just kind of Sterling as the champ in the landscape for the bantamweights. The bantamweight division. I'm not gonna. If you want to tell me it's the most talented division in all of MMA right now, not just the UFC, but across all promotions, I won't argue. I personally think it's lightweight. Mm. Um, if we're talking about big names that can headline pay per views, lightweight <laughs> all day because yeah. they got they got Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, McGregor, all those guys. But mm-hmm. if you're just looking at competition wise and just high level martial arts across all promotions, I would probably say bantamweight is the most talented. Because uh, if you look at the top 10 of just the UFC's division, top 15 of the UFC's division, 
any one of those guys well, could be champion. And that's what's crazy is that I agree with you, and I would say depth-wise it's there. And and it's weird because I don't want to take away from Sterling, but I almost feel like it's, you know, if we're saying that, we almost should say, well, what Sterling's been doing should make a case for just dominance. But it's almost like, you know, I go the other way. Like, he's on a heater right now, but at any second one of these guys could take him. It's like the yeah exactly uh, like the record for most like he has the record for most defenses right now, uh, <laughs> number two like right below him I would probably rank Marab and they're not ever gonna fight mm-hmm. and then after that probably Cejudo O'Malley Jan Sanhagen like any of those guys could be champ even if you keep going down like Cheeto Vera could be champ Rob Font could be champ Song Yadong's not even thirty yet mm-hmm. and that dude could be the Dominic Cruz obviously lurking yeah. around Ricky Simone just lost and then obviously you have the boogeyman of Umar Nurmagomedov who I I think is the uncrowned champion I think eventually I think when it's all said and done he will be champion it's just a matter of when and he's in that rough position where no one really wants to fight him because his yeah. he's so good but his rank I think he's like nine or yeah. some seven he's not in the top five of the division but he's so risky. It's going to take a guy like Corey Sanhagen who is more than willing to risk yeah. his position. For, I, like, he wants to hold uh-huh. his—he he wants to stay active and maintain his position. Now, uh, obviously, in a perfect world, we would get—like, like if I'm Marab, who is the rightful number one contender, uh, but he's not going to fight his teammate, his, he also had hand surgery. If mm-hmm. I'm Marab, I wait and heal— and let Aljo fight O'Malley because if Aljo beats O'Malley, he's probably going to go to 145, mm. and then Marab can fight for the vacant title, either against Cejudo, Sanhagen, or uh, Umar. Uh, yeah. But that division is unbelievable. It really is. Um, we're not going to preview these because even like yeah. if you're going across like Be- like Bellator, they you got you know, they got guys Pettis, too. Yeah, <laughs> Patchy Mix, Rufion yeah. Stotts, Juan Archuleta, and if you want to go to like one championship i know technically demetrius johnson is the flyweight champion mm. but they the way they do it is y- you have to fight their divisions you go, go up so what what the ufc calls fly what the, what one championship calls flyweight the ufc and everyone else calls bantamweight <laughs> so demetrius johnson technically weighs in at 135. Yeah. So if he was fighting in the UFC, he would be in the bantamweight division. He'd probably be the champion right now. So across all divi- of all promotions, it's the it's the only division I would say. Well, I guess technically now PFL, where you could argue the best bantamweight in the world is not in the UFC because mm-hmm. Francis obviously a heavyweight and Demetrius Johnson at one championship. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't think there's really an argument that no. the best is outside the UFC. Well. I mean, we'll see what happens when O'Malley fights Sterling, but tough, tough fight for O'Malley, I think, on the scouting of the it. The toughest so, fight. I, I think, just, I think the toughest. Oof, fight. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. I, it, we'll see. But uh, before we just switch to boxing, what other fights are you looking forward to coming up? I know we got 289 in Canada, which will be at Vancouver. Nunez mm-hmm. for fighting the replacement Aldana, which also has Oliveira and Darush on that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got it 290. Rodriguez is challenging for. Uh, the title with Volkanovski at featherweight. What are we looking forward to for you? I mean, all those ones you just said are the obvious ones. Obviously, Volkanovski and Yair is for the the undisputed because Yair is the interim champion. The co-main event between Moreno and Pantoja is, is the rightful fight for the flyweight title. Pantoja technically has two wins over Moreno. One of them was on tough, though, so it's, it's an exhibition fight. Uh, Robert Whitaker, Drickus Duplessis, is very interesting because the winner Ooh. will fight Israel Adesanya. Uh, I don't know why they made this fight since Rob is already 0-2. Uh, 
uh, and Drakus Duplessis has never fought Israel Asanya, and there's a lot of heat there between them. Yes, there is, and we know so, which way the we know which yeah. way they would want this fight to outcome go based on yes. what it would lead to. Yes. But so with I curse, don't know why. The, if I'm the UFC, because yeah. Israel wants to fight Drakus, I just make that fight. And then have Robert Whitaker so fight you don't, Paulo Costa. So you don't think, I mean, because I did hear Izzy say, and I know they, everybody says a lot of things, but he needs to show a little more. Which, by the way, I do think that, like, the title fight based on just him being the only one out there would make sense. But one more win would legitimize him. But at the end of the day, we know that's not how this works. I mean, anyone that beats Robert Whitaker deserves to fight for the title, yes. no matter who you are. Drakus, this is like, why did, they, why did the UFC give Arnold Allen to Max Holloway? Like, Arnold Allen was on a nine-fight win streak, the longest in the division, uh, outside of the champion, Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, like, a top-five fighter. If, like, he, if, if when they made Yair versus Josh Emmett, it was originally going to be Yair, probably Josh Emmett and Arnold, but Arnold wasn't healthy at the time. So Arnold should have fought for the title anyway. So you just give him to Max Holloway, who's 0-3 against yeah. Volkanovski. It just makes no sense to me, especially because you're, when you're going back to London this summer. Just have Arnold fight someone. Have Arnold fight Josh Emmett or Ilya Tepore in London. Why, why feed him to Max Holloway? So it just the booking doesn't make sense. They should just do DDP <laughs> versus Israel Adesanya in September in Sydney. Yeah. That should just be how it is. And Robert Whitaker should be fighting Paulo Costa in the co-main event of that card because then the winners can fight each other. Well, I'm looking at Oliveira Darush too. I don't want to mess yeah, that up I mean, because that's a good I, one. I don't want to talk about that fight. I know. Because it's been know, booked so many times and it's fallen apart. <laughs> the only the only negative about that fight is it's not a main event of a fight night because if Dariush wins, the winner will fight for the title next, the mm-hmm. lightweight title, most likely, especially if it's Dariush because mm-hmm. uh, he's on that long win streak, has never fought for the title. Mm-hmm. He's a fresh matchup. And even Islam says if you beat Charles, like mm-hmm. that's the fight. I don't think you sh- it like I think it sucks when the next title challenger has never had a five round fight. Uh, yeah, that's I, I think tough. he just I think number one contender fight should be a five round fight, but it is what it is. Well, we can kind of end that MMA UFC stuff with uh, oh, and before yeah. I end, two ninety one is the best card of the year. Salt Lake City, that's Gaethje Poirier. <laughs> Uh, Pereira, John Blahovich, yeah, Pereira's light heavyweight like, debut against John Blahovich. Top to that's bottom, a, top yeah. to bottom. That is, if you're gonna buy one card, that's already announced. That's the fight. That's like it. that's the best card yeah. of the year, top to bottom. And the only reason they announced that card when they did is because Francis Ngannou announces he's going to PFL, <laughs> and then like three hours later, the UFC so announces it's the most stacked card. Yeah, so it's, petty. We all saw it coming. Well. We'll see, because, right, McGregor's finally in the pool now, allegedly. Yep. Allegedly. So we can maybe do that in December? December, January, I would say. December yeah. would make sense. Uh, they usually do the big title, the big pay-per-view mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Especially if Patty is healthy, they could do Patty and Connor on the same card. I think that would make So they could do, uh, they they would probably try to right. do yeah. McGregor Chandler, Patty versus Frivola. Yeah, I mean, that would make the most sense. All right, Jose Young's on the Money Mitch effect. Uh, let's talk boxing now. Got some thoughts on Haney Womachenko. And number one being that Haney did not win that fight. I agree. Um, I'm not going to go robbery because, look, like no, we've had this discussion before. It, yeah. But I do think there's some credence to the fact that you have a judge who went 116-112. Yes, and it was the rounds that he gave him that really irked me. Because the yes. back half of that fight was Lomachenko's fight. 
like yes. 100% was minus a round or two here or there. And I think there's some credence to the fact that maybe Lomachenko is too fast for some of these judges to keep up with. Well, maybe. Um, I I agree. Um, I had Lomachenko winning, but as as we say at MMAfighting.com, it's kind of our motto is not all close fights are robberies. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you're just in a close fight. Um, so the robbery, like Patty Pimlet versus Jared Gordon, that's a robbery. Robbery. Or uh, who did who did Manny Pacquiao lose Sim to? Sim Bradley. Australia? Oh, the other guy. Uh, yeah. I was thinking Horn? of Bradley. Was Horn was yeah, you're right. Horn. Bradley but, was Bradley was weird, but like that was a close fight that everyone scored for Pacquiao, but then it just didn't like I can't remember who it was, but that that's a robbery. Like that's an actual robbery. Roy Jones at the Olympics robbery. That's yes. I would even put I would even robbery. put draw Lewis Holyfield robbery. Watch that fight again. That was Lennox ridiculous. Lewis Holyfield? Yeah, the hmm. first one it was a terrible fight, but Lewis won, and they said draw, and that's the whole genesis of Lennox Lewis is you have to take the champion from an American in America, which in that right. in that night he had a point. But no, I, and look, Haney fought tough and, and did some nice things in that fight, but what I saw throughout the course of the second half of that fight was Lomachenko as the aggressor didn't quite land as much, but the output is just so impressive and i understand that counter punchers can do things that's not all about who's the aggressor and who's even throwing the most but yeah but that was in my opinion lomachenko's fight and i think you know a seven five round score seemed about right if you're gonna go eight four the other way that's where i have a problem i think it's seven five either way um like i think obviously haney won the first i think we can all agree lomachenko won the second the third is the weird one. I third it gets it's it's like fifty fifty, and then after that I think I think Haney one's around four through six, mm-hmm. so four five six. So at that point he's either up four one or up three two. Let's say four uh, one because I would say yeah, and then I think he wins one round the rest of the fight, and I, I'm forgetting yeah, so the then specific seven one. and eight very clearly Lomachenko. Yes. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, wait. Seven. Yeah, eight, that no, sounds six, right because no, seven seven eight is fifty. I'm trying to think of yeah. seven, eight, I think was Lomachenko. If I remember correctly, no, might've been, I don't remember. It's all blurs to me. <laughs> all I know is round round, which round was the weird one that they scored it for. I got to go to Teddy Atlas's tweets. Cause he was the one that was covering it pretty, pretty specifically. But the round that they really messed up on was, and I don't want to say the judge's name because you, you can know, we've done that. <laughs> was uh, we, no it's fine but we've done that before and uh it was round because 116 was what haney finished with and he gave him round 10 and that's right 10 that right, was right. a joke oh dave moretti gave moretti him gave him moretti gave him moretti gave haney rounds yeah he gave him like the last no like honestly if i'm looking at the score now it's making me even more upset Didn't he, he gave him like he like gave him 12 7, 10 12? 9 8 he gave him yeah. 7 through 12 minus 11 so that's where i'm just going to throw that out so what he got like 5 and 6 yeah that's weird that's bad or 5 of 4 or 5 but whatever. then it also yeah, shows that he gave him rounds that we were saying could have gone to haney or should have gone to haney so that guy's just bad at his job and it cost you know this fight um, but the other two judges scored it for haney too right 115 113 yeah which i yeah so with, i think but. that's the rightful scorecard either way it's either 115 113 haney or 115 113 lomachenko the 116 112 haney makes no sense let's go me. olympic judging let's merge that with like the figure skating gymnastics model where we can get five in there and maybe we drop highest and lowest you know if we really want to figure this out because i yeah. just think having three people where there's no punishment if you just suck at your job or, or i'll be more nice you know i'll be nicer or have a bad day you know you could have a rough day where you just didn't see it clearly and maybe you know with 
I don't know. It's just tougher too, especially when the older guy gets robbed like that. Not Rice said it again, but when the older guy misses one like this, gets a bad draw. It's like, well, I know. it's not going to get any easier for and, him. And and like Haney was already not the most popular fighter. Like he was getting there, um, and he just the problem with Devin Haney is he's so dominant, but he's not overly flashy with his boxing. No. <laughs> like Tifima Lopez was a, is a character. George Gambosis is like a hard hitter. Um, Lomachenko is like a, an artist in there. Yeah. Tank, tank is tank. Ryan Garcia is Ryan Garcia. And Devin Haney, his, his biggest problem is he's just so good. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what his, yeah, himself. yeah. And it's true, but I don't know, like, you know, going forward for Lomachenko, we'll see what happens, what he wants to do. But for Haney, like, I don't know what the move is. Because he's not going to fight. If he fights Tank, that's not going to go well. And Shakur Stevenson was in the ring there, and I know Stevenson wants oh, it. I, just, I think Shakur Stevenson beats Haney, but that's I do the, too. I mean, that would be the most exciting. But guy. I think Haney. I don't think Haney wants to go down. Like I don't think he wants no, that. So that that's be, where it's you know. No. I, so his next should, move is interesting. He's super young too. He's been pro for so long. But I know, what and he he's does fought, next. and he's fought a lot of these guys in the amateur scene. Like him and Ryan Garcia's fought in the amateur scene. Uh, Teofimo would be fun. Ryan Garcia would be fun. Mm-hmm. it's tough man like Devin Haney just needs to knock out a really exciting fighter yeah. to get his mojo back well what did you think of the Katie Taylor upset loss oh man that was uh that was wild because it's I'm I Katie Taylor's very clearly the number one pound for pound female fighter in the world she has been that well I mean that split decision went with yeah no for sure of course obviously but that split decision went over Serrano I know it's crazy it was you know a year ago she's fought since then uh, won another decision but that was one that it felt like okay she beat Serrano now it's like you know I almost feel like that's how you you catch yourself with boxing where it feels like smooth sailing and then all of a sudden you get tripped up when you least expect it well the problem the problem with it's not even a problem it's 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 she's in the same boat as Canelo, where she was chasing history. Like she went up in weight. Mm-hmm. Like she was fighting above her weight class for the light welterweight when she usually fights it for lightweight. And you could mm-hmm. kind of see that Chantel Cameron was just walking through punches fighter. that would not exactly. Be, that's what and that Dibble uppercut. Did. That <laughs> uppercut she was finding a home for it all day. And Katie is not the youngest. I, don't fighter you anymore. feel bad for Katie when she loses her first fight ever in her home country? Mm. Yeah, and she's like. On the wrong side of 35, she's been fighting for a long time. Like yeah. people forget, she's like an Olympic gold medalist. She has a ton of amateur. I don't. I think she's only of all the amateur tournaments she's been in. I think she's not won a gold once. She's got 23 pro fights since November or debut of 2016. <laughs> I know, and people think she. And people so think she's many been fighting fights, for, but she was winning gold medals as an amateur in like 2005. Yeah, like she was an amateur wow. for like 11 years or something like that it's before crazy, man. going pro. So she, she was like Lomachenko where she started kind of old, like not old in, in boxing years, but she's been fighting for so long. And she's very clearly, I don't want to say she's in the back three, but she's very clearly in the back nine of her career. Um, she's chasing history and she's just, she was just too small. Yeah. Uh, she, she just looked, I I'm curious if the weight played a factor, like just having more weight on her. I'm curious if the, cause if you watch that fight, she looks really emotional walking out in Dublin, uh, all week she was just being pulled in all different directions mm-hmm. with like media obligations. I'm just curious if just emotionally she was yeah. exhausted because Amanda went up in weight too mm-hmm. to fight, to fight her. Uh, and so she's fight, she fought a smaller girl 
in Amanda, who a lot of people saw. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's like top three in the division, top three p- pound for pound after Katie and clears the shields. And that's one of the best fights you'll ever see ever, regardless of gender. Um, yeah, just Chantel Cameron, just one fair and square, and they're going to rematch. So how do you feel about what I want to talk about now, which is still not official, but July 29th, we're going to finally see it. But <sighs> Spencer Man, I feel like every time you and I do, every other episode we do this show, we're talking about Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. And I saw that report, and for the first time, because that fight's been announced how many times? Like, I feel like we've gotten yeah. this, we're close to signing, like, every, t- twice a year. And for the first time, I was not excited because I'm, like, not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to get my hopes Now it looks, like, more realistic than ever before. I'm just nervous if we miss the window. I don't think we like, did. If it, I'm, I'm, Here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm with you that I'm still nervous until they sign on the dotted line and we're ready to go, then it's official. But I actually don't think we missed the window because I think this is a lot closer. If you want to say... I mean, look, if we want to say who would be like Crawford maybe is the one that might be moving away from his prime, you could say oh, maybe, yeah. but it's funny because the opening tentative lines I saw, Crawford was a slight favorite, and I'm like, I don't know about really? that. Really? Yeah. This is all tentative, but slightly. Like, we're talking like minuscule difference, but I was, because I was expecting him to be a slight underdog and then liking the action that way, but um, no, I mean, he's 35, but I feel like we're still in that window where they're still... You know, still haven't noticed any slippage. And, you know, the big thing is hasn't taken, like, crazy, crazy damage, you know? No. So. I mean, there's still an appetite for it, for sure. I'm just, I wish these guys had fought, like, two years ago when they were, like, in their physical primes. I'm just nervous that one of Father Time was just caught up to one of them. Because I don't want this to be another Mayweather-Pacquiao where. Yeah, but but Pacquiao got knocked out. Like that Marquez knockout changed everything in his boxing future. Correct. You know, that's um, that's the thing yeah. there. And, and he went into that fight uh, compromised with that shoulder. Did. I think Errol Spence, I think, has fought better opponents too. Well, they, I mean, they both, yeah, maybe slightly. Let me be real. Yeah, Kelbrook is really good. Amir yeah, Connors and Porter, really one of them stopped him and one won a split decision. And that was yeah, Bud JBJ is really good. Jose Benavides Jr. Yeah, yeah, he is. I, I think uh, Mikey Garcia, Kel, Kel, I mean, they're they're yeah. both good. Tough. Crawford going for 40 and 0, Spence 29 and 0. If this is the next fight on the docket, um, so yeah, man. I mean, look, if we see it, it'd be great because it's the it's the fight of the year for sure. Because especially with the heavyweight disaster going on right now, <laughs> travesty, absolute travesty. I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure what's next for all these fighters and what we're gonna see and what Fury's doing and you know, because Usyk's sitting there, man. I want to see him fight again, but it's it's. It's Fury's fault. Like mm-hmm. it's his fault. Like he could he could fight Joshua. He could fight uh, Usyk. He could do, he could sign he could sign the contract tomorrow. But he's just not, I don't know what yeah. his, I don't know what his issue is. Maybe he wants to fight Francis. It's all stupid. It is it it played <laughs> it, it showed because uh, he had so much goodwill for you know beating Wilder twice, beating Dillian White. Yeah. For whatever reason, he fought Chisora again. Like. He had so much goodwill, and then this this Usyk nonsense where like Usyk has been tweeting like I'm ready, I signed the contract on your end. The fact that he's like, oh, I'll fight you in O2, oh, I'll fight you in Saudi. Like Usyk saying all of these things and it's still not coming. I think Fury Fury's obviously wildly popular. He's one of the best prize fighters in all of combat sports, but he, I think he's lost a lot of goodwill with the fans for how he's been handling these negotiations. 
I agree. It's unfortunate. Hope we get to see some good fights, starting with that Crawford Spence one this summer would be something special. I mean, this year has been good because we got Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, and we just got Lomachenko, Haney. Like, if this is like, say Crawford Spence doesn't happen till next year, I would still consider this a success compared to previous boxing years. Yeah, I agree, man. I think it's a good time for the sport, and I think we're just going to have to accept that this is the reality, that you're not going to see all these great fights because of stuff like that. Um, Jose, man, Jose Youngs, this was fun. Uh, appreciate talking combat sports with you. Uh, good luck to your, your Red Sox, and I know you're following the Celtics, and you know, just trying to keep Boston sports uh, alive and well. Go, Boston. <laughs> I, hope that, I love the Diamondbacks, but... This weekend, you're my mortal enemy. There you go. Jose Young, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Huge thanks to Jose Youngs. Remember, find all this stuff on MMAfighting.com. Expert journalist covering all your favorite combat sports and a good friend as well. So thanks to Jose for coming on the show. Now we talk to Matt Wittenberg. We're talking hockey, Stanley Cup chase, NBA action in the playoffs with the Nuggets. Heat Celtics still going. Nuggets into the finals, beating the Lakers, sweeping them. We talk baseball. We talk some football. We even talk golf. It's Matt Wittenberg now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, back again. Uh, adjusting still to some East Coast time hours now, but... Uh, Florida's newest resident. It's Matt Wittenberg joining the show. Wit, what's up, man? How's everything going? Hey, good. Yeah, still, uh, still a little bit of an adjustment period coming from uh, that, as you were saying earlier, California gloom weather to uh, the humidity, where I feel like I've been sweating for probably two weeks straight. But uh, you know, you take the good with the bad. So at least there's the sun shining and. Uh, still getting used to the uh, East Coast sports times and everything, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah, you're starting to kind of see why it's the best breeding ground for training, you know, young athletes. Because if you can deal with the humidity there, you can deal with any condition. So, I think you're oh, starting. To, you're kind of starting to see that. Uh, it's an interesting time on the calendar. We're end of May. Uh, you know, the the sports are dwindling in the in the winter sports. We're getting to the championship stages. We're going to touch on that. Some other news and notes around the league. Got to start with hockey because. We're on the verge of potentially two sweeps in the conference final. I guess one is way more uh, probable than the other. But looking at the Eastern Conference, I guess the East still remains a uh, Florida near neck of the woods. It's run by the Florida teams. Because for the fourth straight year, it looks like that's going to happen. This time it's the Florida Panthers. The last team in the playoffs with, and they're one game away from the Stanley Cup final. Uh, they were down 3-1. You know, They were down 3-1 to to the Boston Bruins. And since that time... They're 10-1 and one in the playoffs, something just improbable. And uh, it starts with a couple players. Uh, Bobrovsky, number one. Kachuk's been amazing, too. But this is this is uh, improbable, and, and there's a lot of comparisons to that 2012 eight-seed L.A. Kings team. But what the Panthers are doing is just remarkable. Yeah, it is. Really neat story. You alluded to them being the last team in and needed the uh, Penguins to get upset a couple times down the stretch to actually sneak into the playoffs. So... Oh, man, it's just like they definitely do have that feel right now of that sort of team of destiny uh, vibe. I know that gets overblown a lot, but just looking at their track record, which, as you allude to, being down 3-1 to one to the President's Cup winning record-setting Boston Bruins, and then no one expecting them to beat Toronto, and then even Carolina was favored in this series, and they've won each of those games by a goal. I mean, making parallels to that 2012 Kings team with how good – Jonathan Quick was in that run. I mean, your boy 
Bobrovsky is yeah. really dialing back the clock now. And then, yeah, I mean, you allude to Kachuk and how, like, just insanely clutch he's been and probably the best Twitter handle in the game with uh, Kachuk Cheese. Yeah. So, I mean, that I don't know how far that goes in his game, but it yeah. certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> Back-to-back OT goals uh, in games one and two on the road. One was in quadruple overtime, the other in just a single frame. But Kachuk just you know, working wonders. Good to see the whole family there. You know, at game uh, at game three in Florida, you had Big Walt and his sister sitting together. Walt with his classic St. Louis bar <laughs> establishment, Obi Clark's hat, which you know he's not going to throw. He could have told Matthew, "You could score eight goals tonight. I'm not throwing this hat on the ice." That's just how he rolls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, got yeah, and Brady there. You know, and Brady having some fun with Brooks Kepka, who I want to. We'll talk about a little golf later, but you know, Brady getting the chug out of the PGA Trophy uh, Championship. Which, by the way, I know it's like the lowest major on the totem pole. But it's the best trophy because you can drink out of it. Oh yeah, it's huge too. I think that's how they like bill it as the yeah. biggest trophy on tour. So I mean, you got to set yourself apart from uh, the Masters and the U.S. Open a little bit. So yeah, yeah I mean, hey, what what a time for uh, South Florida Amazing. sports. With uh, I mean, we'll probably touch on the yeah. Heat later, but them and uh, Brooks getting the getting the win. So yeah, good time to be in not quite my neck of the woods out yeah. out in the Tampa area, but in South Florida. Well, Brady's just a very good, supportive little brother because last year when Matthew was in Calgary, there's the clip of him with just beers falling out of his pockets in the stands, and this <laughs> time he's just chugging on the uh, the PGA Championship trophy. It's great, but it does go back to Bobrovsky. I mean, what he's been able to do, he didn't even start going into these playoffs. He came in in, mm-hmm. the, in the very beginning of that Boston series, but what he's done, 2.15 goals against. He's won two Vesnas. He was the Columbus goalie for their mini run where they beat the number one seed Lightning and got to the second round and you know it was remarkable there. Florida signs him to a $10 million a year deal, unheard of almost for a goalie. He underperforms for a lot of that, but now it doesn't matter. Now the contract looks great. He's never really looked better, and when he's rolling, I mean, game two it was, I want to say, where the Panthers were getting outshot like 16-1 to 1 early. And he just felt like it was only one nothing. If they didn't get another one, Bob's going to keep him in it, and he did. And it's just mm-hmm. it's insane how much of a big-game goalie he is. And when he's rolling, when Florida's rolling with Kachuk and Barkov, who's a little banged up, but they've got some depth on both sides, it's scary. And, and Carolina's thing was just we wondered all year, could they get the goal scoring when it mattered? And this was the series where it's kind of caught up to them, where they just don't have the offensive firepower, especially against a goalie this good. Yeah, it's uh, 100% true. I mean, haven't seen too much from uh, Aho or Jarvis in this uh, series yeah. so far. And guys like, I mean, I feel like if Kachuk's not making a clutch play, I feel like anytime there's a clutch play, just watching Carter Verhage is like yeah. right in the middle of it. So just like, I mean, especially the disappointment from them winning, they won the President's Cup uh, just a year ago, didn't they? Florida yeah. uh-huh. and being swept out of the playoffs by the Lightning. So yeah. I'm sure that left a really bad taste in their mouth and just like, what a move the like the injection of getting the Kachuk trade through is just like lifted that team, especially after like struggling throughout the regular season. Just like, hey, the playoffs, all that ma- all that matters is you get in and you get hot. Well, think about this: not only the Bruins game where you know Game Five, Marshawn had the breakaway that could have won it, and they went in five. Mm-hmm. But how about the fact that them getting in the playoffs took the Penguins laying an egg at home to the Blackhawks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a what a world, what a world we're in where that you know all things could be different. We could be seeing the Bruins running, or you know even the Leafs or whoever. You know we just wow, it, it's really it's really crazy to think about. But Florida one game away, the other series that 
last night was just a complete gong show and uh, Dallas didn't show up in that Vegas wins. And, you know, I want to give Vegas credit first. I mean, what they've been able to do when they, you know, game two is a killer. Now these series are long and there's, you know, best of seven. There's a lot of time. But when you have a game one, especially on the road like Dallas did, Vegas just stays at it, gets the late goal, wins in OT. I mean, we saw it. It was just backbreaking. It completely deflated that Dallas team. And uh, they've been a shell of themselves ever since. But for Vegas, kind of similar to Florida, doesn't have the names. I mean, Eichel and, and March so are great players. Mark Stone's relentless out there. But maybe not the names that casual fans would know, but they did it with depth. They've got the goaltending now, and they're just a well-oiled machine. Yeah, talking about how close those first two games were in, in Vegas, obviously could have gone either way, and it could be a completely different series than what it is now. But just last night, what was it? Like a minute, two minutes in the yeah. Jamie penalty, just I mean that completely deflated. I mean, they get scored ben on one minute tired. in, and then Ben yep. takes that dumb penalty, mm-hmm. just r- ridiculous, really. And he's going to get at least a game suspension. It should probably be more, but they're probably not going to play any more than one game. So what no. does it really matter? But yeah, just uh, insane because he just completely went overboard and deserved to get the major. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's what happens. And Ottinger was off, and and you know, look, I thought Ottinger was playing as good as any goalie in the league, maybe outside of Bobrovsky. But you kind of also see when you're goalie dependent, if he's off, I mean, Dallas is just kind of running around, and 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 you know, they played. Look, they played really soft last night. They were getting pushed around by a Vegas team that's not what I would call particularly one of the biggest teams in the league. But uh, I just, yeah. you know, Dallas. It's unfortunate because they made a great run to get here. They battled. They won that game seven against Seattle, and. uh just laid an egg at, at home in their biggest spot now. I mean, down three to Vegas. It's like good luck. Yeah, this is definitely a very steep mountain for the for them to climb. And then you have to bank on Ottinger obviously being able to bounce back in game four. You can't turn away from him in this spot at all. So it's just yeah, it's a tall order without your captain being out there and like you said, probably not for the next game anyway. So yeah, guys like I mean, Tyler Sagan, I feel like, hasn't done too much this series. And, I mean, Robertson's basically carrying them so far as far as the goals go. So, it's a a tall task. And yet, Vegas just seems to be, especially offensively, clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. No, they definitely do. Uh, It's been uh, been pretty good for them to see. Uh, Aiden Hill stepped into that goaltender role. They needed something. They got it. And, uh, again, shout-out to Jack Eichel because he stepped up, never tasted the playoffs in Buffalo. Depending on what happens, he's in the he's in the consummate discussion here. Uh, should they win at all? Uh, but we could be seeing Vegas and Florida, you know, Fort Lauderdale and Las Vegas. I could think of, uh, you know, I know it's not Fort Lauderdale is where they play at a sunrise, but in terms yeah. of just where they're going to be, you know, where the fans are going to be, where the the parties are going to be, that uh, it's tough to beat that one. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. A lot of lot of great uh great day drinking before those games and in both locations and then just uh make sure those fans bring the sunscreen to both spots too. Yeah, one thing that I did see was that they could move the cup up to the thirty first if both these series end, I think, in five or less. So, you know, unlike the NBA, which will start mm-hmm. June first no matter what, the NHL has like some wiggle room, which is good. Uh, and speaking of which, the NBA uh, wit has been, uh, you know, at least we're not going to get double sweeps. We'll see what happens. But another quick work, it seems, so far in the conference final. Uh, Nuggets beat the Lakers. They make their first NBA finals ever. Uh, so a milestone moment for them. It was a, I guess you could call it like a close sweep. There weren't too many blowouts and, and deep runs. Most games were pretty close. But, you know, when you beat a team four times in a row, it's not exactly a fluke. Like, it's just exactly what should happen. And 
props to Denver. They did it, and you know, under the radar no more, I think, because you can say what you want about Jokic, but he's a, he's clearly one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, the guy only broke uh, Wilt's triple-double record in the playoffs, and the finals hasn't even started yet, so he's he's been incredible, and then especially Jamal Murray has been just like exactly what they needed to be after the injury and all the issues that he dealt with. So, I mean, they were the best team in the West all year. They proved it in this series. Just you could tell like how co- cohesive everything is. And Mike Malone's been pushing all the right buttons, mm-hmm. getting con- contribute contributions from KCP and Aaron Gordon. Just like, yeah, a very well oiled, like technical machine. And this like, the Lakers are too much of a hot and cold streak or hot and cold team, depending on LeBron and AD that both like shine in those games and they couldn't get key performances from both of them at, yeah. in the same game. So it was just like behind the eight ball from the start. Yeah. I mean, they had to, I mean, LeBron was great obviously in game four, but they had to play him the full game and they had to really just, you know, exhaust everything. That was one where I did think that like, even if the Lakers won that game, it wasn't a trend where it's like, Oh, they're going to just, turn it on now like it literally took right. everything LeBron had and it's like okay you're 38 you're gonna have to rest up and do it again and yeah like you said the inconsistency Davis was streaky the whole time um I thought you know it's funny because like Reeves you know has been the talk of the town but mm-hmm. I feel like he could have gotten more like he had an advantage and they just didn't use him enough um but no I mean I think this is more credit to Denver than anything else because this wasn't like the Lakers blew it or anything Denver's just a good team um you talk about Jokic and Murray being the guys and you know, they only really have a seven man rotation, but every one of those guys can score. And uh it yep. sounds cliche, but that's very rare. I mean the, the Lakers were putting like Tristan Thompson in and other players that I don't think were threats, but if Denver goes seven or eight guys and every one of them can get a bucket, that's pretty good. And you don't even need Jokic to get like a twenty point game or anything like that. Just like he'll he you know that even if he doesn't, he'll have like fourteen rebounds and twelve assists. So it's just like, it's crazy to have that in your back pocket as a team when you don't need to count on the scoring from him. Yeah. Well, props to them. Uh, do you think this, do you think there's any chance the Celtics could come back? They win last night, Tatum, you know, they don't go out. At least they don't go out, you know, I don't want to say like cowards, but they don't go out just getting pushed around like they did in game three. But is that, was that just a one-off or is there anything they could build from on that? I think it's a one-off. I, I mean, this like, you're right. The first, three games, especially game three, it just like that, that team didn't look like they had any fight left in them. And I feel like they're going to get a bit of a bump being back at home for game five, but I believe in this Miami heat team and what, especially what Jimmy Butler has been doing this postseason. I, I think that he'll probably will them to victory on the road. I mean, he relishes in playing in those environments that they obviously won the, the first two games of the series out in Boston. So I feel like, yeah, I think we're on the uh, verge of a gentleman sweep in this one. Well, just keep Grant Williams away from Jimmy Butler. You know, right. trash talk wise, <laughs> which I, I get it. Like, he's, you know, he's going to talk. It's it's how he's wired. I totally understand that. Um, yeah, young. It's just there's a law of the jungle, right? Like starters and bench players, you know, they shouldn't probably cross, especially if, you know, at the point the game was the big thing. Like, I don't. I think the bigger thing for me with the more I think about what happened in game two and Jimmy Butler is amazing. Love what he does. Love how he just isn't afraid out there. But the biggest thing for me was when you're up by that many points that late, don't give them a read. It's like, it's like a fight in hockey. You don't, you don't want to fight from an advantageous position. 
because they want to fight yeah. to get back into it and get themselves going. So it wasn't so much about the messenger. It was about the message, if that makes sense. Right. No, 100%, especially with a guy that you've seen what he's done all playoffs long. He's arguably been the best player in the playoffs. He, he, I mean, you can make the argument between him and Jokic, obviously different guys, but just like what he's done, especially yeah. when no one expected that from the team sneaking in in the play-in and having to go through uh, the Bucks in the first round. So it's just, yeah, it's been a special, a lot of cool parallels between them and the Panthers, actually. Yeah. Wow, South. How did this happen? South Florida gets two eight seeds, and they're going to be, they are going to be the title team. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy stuff. Um, I'm looking at the finals of Denver and Miami, and I know it's not the the traditional markets or anything like that, but it could be a good basketball series. It should be. I mean, matching up wise. I think so. Yeah, I think that definitely has the potential to be a fun series. Both teams, I think, have been especially in the playoffs, they've both been really fun to watch. And yeah, some sort of like contrasting styles where, I mean, Miami is more like everything runs through Jimmy Butler and then the Nuggets, as you allude to early, the, the seven-man rotation where anyone can really go off. So yeah, it's definitely going to be, if we end up in getting it, which I think we will, be a fun like contrasting matchup. A couple more things here with Matt Wittenberg on the Money Mitch effect. I wanted to touch on a few other things in the sports world. One being that Brooks Kepka PGA title win, which is pretty remarkable when you consider that, you know, he had been a non-factor in a lot of majors last year, kind of lost the swing a little bit, goes to live tour, then has the resurgence at the Masters, blows it on the final day, but now he wins the PGA for the third time. He's got five majors, and that list is very short of guys that have that many, so... Props to Brooks. It was uh, improbable, but he pretty much dominated the weekend. Yeah, he sure. There was no doubt when Sunday really got going, the first couple holes that he was going to end up in uh, in taking it. I mean, I kind of wanted uh, Victor Hovland to make a run just because I like his all his like random orange yeah. outfits that he wears. He's, he's fun to watch out on the course. And um, my guy, John Rahm, was nowhere near the top, so didn't have any rooting interest there. But yeah, really good bounce back for him, especially after blowing it at the Masters uh, a month ago. So dealing with the injuries, dealing with all of the going to the live tour and whatnot. But he's just like when he just showed like when he's on, he's the best in the world. And we'll see if he keeps this run going. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, you know, this you know, going forward, I guess, this summer. And, and you talk about the live tour just really quickly on that. They have their first major winner active because i know young joined mm-hmm. immediately yeah, or smith joined smith and young both joined but you know smith wins the british and then goes immediately after so uh props to to uh brooks again lacc is hosting the u.s open unfortunately no tiger he's going to be out probably the entire major season but you know golf's i i'll be honest like i wasn't sure how i felt about the pga moving up but now it's great to just have a major each month you know yeah, it sort of matches up with the uh, a little bit with the tennis schedule yeah, too. Yeah. Other than the Australia being in January, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gearing up for the French here, which is going to be odd with no Nadal. You know, the guy just wins yeah. it fourteen times, and now it's like he's not there, and you're just like, what do we do now? Everyone's just kind of looking at each other. <laughs> so, yeah, well, uh, when's the the doll statue going up outside Roland Garros is my I, question. I don't know, man. It's like they've got two. Well, Barcelona has a as a smaller level tournament, they've named the court after him there. I'm pretty sure Madrid is going to as well. And then obviously the French should too, but yeah, it's 14 French opens. I would say, I know I'm biased, but 
probably the greatest individual sports achievement ever, like to win the same major 14 times. So that's never going to be done, not even close to be done again. So I, I would with you never done again uh in other news uh, just some notes on the nfl uh i'm really not happy with the kickoff change rule just wanted to get that out there no it makes no sense i mean well all of the rules that they've been the thursday night flex rule that they came out with as well just i know they set a high threshold for like 28 days or whatever the counter is to make it happen but just like it just really feels like they can't get out of their own way when they know they have a good thing going well, they're eyeing fewer injuries, but I feel like this they've already kind of taken steps towards that. I don't think this was necessary. And, yeah, if we're going to do this flex rule, just let's keep it going. Don't let the teams know who's playing until the day of the game. Just flex, yeah. flex the fans, too. <laughs> let's just make this complete reality TV because that seems where yeah. it's going. Uh, just yeah. got to keep, like, every team based in, like, I don't know, whatever, the middle of the country in, like, Nebraska or something, and then let yeah. them know more morning of and fly them all out wherever they're going i'm going to a 10 a.m tailgate and then i realize they play at 8 p.m it's like uh oh it's gonna be a long day <laughs> gonna be a long gonna be a long one um yeah and i guess just kind of in the college world i mean should we be worried that this big 10 deal is not officially official yet uh i don't know i feel like we're probably not just because like i feel like this is a pretty standard operating procedure yeah. as far as like anything to do with college, especially college football is just like so much red tape and meetings and all of the, the hoops that everyone has to jump through. So I feel like it's just a yeah. foregone conclusion. My thing is just get, you know, savor the flavor of saying the phrase power five, because it's not going to be around much longer. No, not, maybe not even after this year when no. if the Pac-12 can't get a TV deal done. So we're yeah. still waiting on that to see then. It's just, it's just insane, but that's where we are right now. And, uh, you know, college football around the corner, getting exciting. Uh, last thing wait before I let you go, got to just get your thoughts on where baseball's at. It's kind of like a lot of times this year, we don't really, you know, full us under the radar in June is when we really start to pay attention. Uh, I guess the Rays are just going to be a really good team. Now that's something to expect. I also saw how good the Rangers were doing and I was a little stunned by that in the East. Um, you know, your Dodgers are doing better, which is good though. The Diamondbacks are there. I, I think the Padres struggling might have been the biggest story, but it is early. There's still so much baseball left. What are your initial thoughts on the season? Yeah, hard to get a really like solid read on like who's a contender and who isn't. But yeah, the race. That's funny enough. Moving to uh, the Tampa Bay area with how good they're doing, they're actually hosting the Dodgers for a weekend series and going to go at the game on a Sunday. So I get to see my team out here, which will be. Really cool, and obviously a cool matchup between two of the better teams in the league. Um, the Rays' offense has just been insane. They were leading in run differential until uh, last night when they lost, like, what was it, 20-1 to one to uh, the Blues. <laughs> yeah. So that, that put a bit of a yeah. test in the, in the run differential. But, yeah, I think the big surprise, though, is, I mean, they did re- pretty well last year as far as expectations were, uh, but the Orioles, oh, yeah. this has really been – fun to watch and just like how well their offense has been doing especially after all of those down years so cool to see i mean you don't see the rays and orioles at the top of the ale standings all too often no you don't uh it's kind of cool that we've got some new blood in there uh guardians suck they can't hit what else is new um (laughs) aside from that though yeah it's kind of fun to see some new blood it's always it's always been a good thing um and and uh 
you know, just kind of wondering where we're going to go from here. It is, it is interesting to see because, like we said, there's so much more baseball left. I know it kind of flies by, but there's still plenty of time for teams to make their move and teams that work. And baseball is just one of those sports where you know if you get in, you have a chance. Like, it's been proven time and time again. Oh, yeah, more so than any other sport. Just, like, how many, like, factors there are that can, like, tilt it your way or the other is insane as far as, like, offense, pitching, defense. It's, it's ridiculous. Bullpen, starters. So, yeah, well, it's hard to get too much of a gauge on it so far. Well, I know you're, uh, you know, you're settled into the Tampa area, and we thank you for coming on the show here. Um, last thing I guess I have for you is, because I know you're, you're willing to, uh, you know, say goodbye if the Yotes leave Arizona, but any read on where they would be? I think Salt Lake would probably be the gentlest goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I, that would, I mean, whole thing is just like, I can't believe this odyssey has dragged on for, I don't know, feels like 10, 15 years at this point. It's just like uh, disheartening because I know there's a lot of good fans in the Valley uh, and then like just like, dealt a really bad hand from the start putting them in Glendale which is far from the fan base which is fine for a football stadium when you have eight home games a year on a Sunday then that that's a totally different thing than a than a hockey season and making it out consistently mm-hmm. but and now the whole thing with sharing with ASU which is a top of the line college arena for sure but not not up to NHL standards right. so I just disappointing that the referendum failed I've don't know all the particulars on like what the taxes and everything that was involved for for the public money but it just like seems like an uphill climb i know they were talking about looking at a site in in mesa arizona now off of the freeway at the site of an old uh, shopping mall so we'll see if anything comes from that but i'm i'm not optimistic just because nothing good has happened and as far as this goes with the franchise and yeah, Salt Lake would probably be, I mean, I, I don't think I would cheer for them and support them, but like that would probably hurt the least. Houston, I, I wouldn't be about, or or Quebec, I wouldn't be about. Kansas City, nah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta again, just <laughs> returning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, I'm, then I'll just be fully on board the, uh, the Bulls bandwagon out here if, if they end up moving. Well, Canada has no chance because that's just how the NHL operates. They do not want to add another team there. But, look, it sucks. Like, I, I, you know, and I know there's people, you know, and I venture to say more more passionate and diehard than you about the Coyotes, and it sucks to lose their team. Like, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen it as a young kid myself. But, uh, no, I mean, look, the, the people had a chance to vote on it, and they didn't vote on it. So it is what it is, you know. It, uh, they don't want that, that land to be turned into a sports arena. Now the owners can find somewhere else. So, that's the yeah. unfortunate business of it, but uh, remains to be seen what happens. Matt Wittenberg, pleasure talking to you here on the Money Mitch Effect. We'll have to do this again soon and uh, try to find oh. some, try to find some air conditioning, man. <laughs> yeah. Living in it, it's just yeah. Anytime you go outside, you know you're coming back <laughs> in uh, with a little bit of wet uh, ring around you. Always, so. always. We appreciate talking sports with you. <laughs> of course, man. That's it for this week's show. Thanks to both guests, as always. Thanks to Jose Youngs. Thanks to Matt Wittenberg. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Money Mitch Effect, which you can find on all your podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, to name a few. 
Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some videos and exclusive content. We're back next week. We should have all of our finals teams for hockey and basketball by then. We will. And then we'll also be talking about more sports into the summer season. A lot of baseball, some tennis, French Open starting on Sunday. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to talk more sports with you. Thanks again to both guests. My name is Mitch Michaels. You were listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.